Welcome to the G2 on 5G, the inside scoop on everything related to 5G. I'm Will Townsend, Senior Analyst with More Insights and Strategy, a cover networking infrastructure and carrier services based in Austin, Texas. And joining me is my colleague again this week, Anshul Sag in San Diego, California. How's it going, Anshul? Pretty good. Thanks for having awesome. me here. Awesome. Well, again, we're going to cover six topics in about 15 minutes. So I'm going to get started with my first one. Uh, today, Microsoft announced its intention to acquire Metaswitch. Um, this is interesting. Back in March, um, the company announced its intention to acquire Affirm Networks. And what both companies bring to the Azure cloud um, are virtualization capabilities. And this is going to allow Microsoft to compete with the likes of Nokia and Ericsson that are offering their own telco-grade cloud um, service offerings. So, uh, it's, it's quite a significant investment, uh, two companies within a couple of months. So Microsoft seems to be really serious about its efforts around 5G. Any insights, Angel? Yeah, um, you know, I think there's, there's definitely an interesting angle here. Um, I'm curious as, as to whether this is a CSP play or is this something different? Well, from my perspective, it's an infrastructure play, right? So, um, you know, Microsoft may have, you know, competed with, with CSPs in the past, but clearly this is focused on bringing depth, uh, telco-grade depth to their Azure service so that they can um, go after, you know, a, a new market and, and go focus on uh, 5G uh, services. Okay, so they're, would you say that they're competing with like the Ericsson's and the Nokia's of the world? Yeah, yeah, as I mentioned, um, you know, they, they've been offering telco cloud services, you know, for quite some time. I believe, you know, Microsoft's goal is to bring some disruption, um, given their, their Azure platform and, uh, and, and offer operators an alternative. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's shift. I know that you've got, um, some, some insight into uh, 5g subscriber numbers. Yeah, so uh, this week, two different um, places, companies, countries, whatever you want to say, um, reported 5G subscriber numbers. And one of them was LG uh, U+, which is an operator in Korea, one of the mm -hmm. first operators of 5G in the world. And they said that about 10% of their customers are already um, subscribed to 5G services, which is about 1.5 million customers mm -hmm. um, because they've got about, a, you know, about 15 million total um, in the country. And uh, they, you know, they've, they've been offering a lot of, um, you know, services, but right now they're, they're not as innovative as some of their other competitors, um, mm -hmm. but they're still a pretty big carrier and 5G uptake and coverage in Korea is pretty good. Yeah. Um, so if there's coverage and speeds, people are going to use it. And it seems like it's already happening pretty quickly, at least in Korea. Mm -hmm. um, then the other was that the Chinese government said that they have 50 million 5G subscribers. Um, which seems, you know, somewhat realistic for a company the size or a country the size of China. Mm -hmm. um, but the thing is, is that they didn't really offer much of a breakdown of which carriers it was yeah. and what those numbers were. And uh, honestly, a lot of people don't really fully trust the Chinese government's reporting numbers on a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, a lot of people think these numbers are somewhat fudged and I'd be inclined to agree because yeah. it feels a little bit early considering coverage and speeds in China, um, and especially considering all the things that have been happening with COVID, um, it's really hard to understand that they've already hit 50 million, even though they are a country of over a billion people. 
I would agree with you. And, you know, and I follow, you know, the, the big three carriers in China and uh, I'm not seeing a lot of focus on, on, on services. It's, it's all about access. So I would tend to agree with you. Now, in contrast, in Korea, you know, I think another operator there, SK Telecom, has done a fantastic job leaning in to services with low latency gaming, um, AR, VR, which is an area that you cover as well, right? So um, I tend to believe that the numbers coming out of Korea just because they're, they're focused on, on services relative to just pure access. Definitely. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the next topic. Yeah, so my, my second topic is around DISH. And, you know, as we all know, um, DISH is working almost top secretly uh, to roll out their network. You know, this has come from um, some of the divestiture that, that T-Mobile had to uh, put on the table uh, to make their merger with Sprint happen. And um, DISH announced this week that they were abandoning their plans to build an IoT network. I think that's smart and wise. Because if you look at what Sprint did prior to the merger with uh, T-Mobile, Evo Rook uh, built an incredible uh, IoT uh, platform with the with a Curiosity um, brand, and uh, and you've also got you know other alternatives like LoRaWAN that that's more or less focused on sensoring and low power and longer battery life. So I think you know it would have been really difficult for, for DISH to get, you know, their, their network deployed and at the same time launch an IoT, uh, you know, set of services as well. Any, any thoughts there? No, I pretty much agree. I think that, you know, it'd be really difficult for them to be successful um, if they spread themselves too thinly and try and deploy an IoT network at the same time as deploying a consumer network. Um, I think they should really be focusing on just offering a, mainstream consumer product that's differentiated and you know possibly more affordable um and i don't think they can really do that if they take away resources to build out an iot network as well yeah no i agree i think it's a smart move on their part hey so let's shift gears uh we were talking about t-mobile and we've talked about them quite a bit over the last couple of weeks but you had some insights into what they're doing with uh, the 2.5 gigahertz spectrum yeah, so as you know, they've acquired that spectrum from Sprint when they finished their acquisition in April. And they've already, in the last month or so, have already rolled out 2.5 gigahertz in multiple cities, including Philadelphia and New York. Um, and they've basically committed to um, having a significant, the, the, the quote is a furious pace. Um, mm -hmm. so they've committed to rolling out thousands of sites this year. Um, which would enable, you know, broad citywide coverage um, in a lot of metropolitan areas. Um, and th they're deploying 2.5 gigahertz 5G at 1,000 overlays per month, um, moving into May and June. So I think that there's a real high probability that um, you could see some really significant 5G speeds on T-Mobile's 2.5 gigahertz network because I think Sprint was heavily underutilizing it. And um, mm -hmm. I think we could see, you know, upwards of 800 megabits per second or maybe even a gig um, in the right markets. And um, it'll be crazy because, you know, you'll have millimeter wave plus mid band plus low band, mm -hmm. which is kind of the, the holy grail of 5G. Yeah. Um, regardless of what carrier you are, it's just the faster you get to that, that you know, three layer network. Mm -hmm. the faster you can start delivering differentiated services with network slicing and QoS. Yeah, yeah, and I agree. And that's been that's been a tremendous, one of the tremendous synergies of the two companies coming together is, is having that 
that that full spectrum footprint, the low, the mid, and and, and the high band. So uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Do you, I'm going to talk about COVID-19 here in a moment at AT&T, but do you think COVID-19 will, will affect any of that deployment um, scenarios that you were talking about? Not necessarily. I, I think it could affect, because the way I look at it is a lot of these operators, they're rolling out their networks with the anticipation of what's to come. So they're planning for next year's utilization because when they're upgrading networks today, they're not really thinking that people are going to hop on it immediately. They're really planning for the future. Um, and if you, if, if more people move over to 5G, these operators have more, better utilization of their network. They're able to offer more services. Um, they're able to be more profitable. And, and that's ultimately the reason why they're interested in rolling out 5G. Yeah. So, you know, I don't see them slowing down rolling out 5G. Mm -hmm. um, but as you said, you know, some other operators have signaled some potential slowness with 5G due to COVID-19. Yeah, yeah. And that's my third topic this week. And it's AT&T. And they warned that, um, that 5G adoption could be slowed as a result of uh, coronavirus. And, you know, that's based on, uh, re you know, lots of retail locations are still closed. And, um, and also you gotta, you gotta imagine with, you know, unemployment, you know, claims, you know, ringing in pretty highly um, in, the, in the interim, people are gonna be a lot more conservative with their spend. And so, you know, um, you know, an average smartphone is not an inexpensive item, right? And, and, and so Especially I think people- G1. Exactly, yeah. And so I think people are gonna, they're naturally, they're gonna, they're, they're gonna be cautious, I think, you know, we'll, we'll see, we're, we're getting to see the light at the end of the tunnel here and hopefully, you know, we get through the end of the year and, you know, things start bouncing back to normal. But um, yeah, it was interesting that they, they came out with that, um, that guidance. Uh, yeah. It was I think, I think some people misconstrued that guidance. Yeah. Um, I think it's a, it's a guidance of they expect device sales to potentially be down right. um, and upgrades and things like that. But I don't see people really lose them losing any customers. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I think the conversion to 5G might be a little slower because of the lack of new acquisition of new devices. Mm -hmm. But I think generally people are going to be still buying new phones. It's mm -hmm. just a question of whether or not they need them versus want them. You know, sure. some people some people are still running on ancient iPhones and ancient Android phones. I found out one of my friends recently had a Galaxy S5, and I was like you know we're on the 20, right? <laughs> you're not right. that many generations behind, but you, you're on, we're on the 20 now. So yeah. um, I think there's people who are definitely upgrading because they need to. And um, that's not necessarily going to be a want to as much, at least for, for as long as unemployment is as high as it is. Yeah, well, time, time will tell. Um, hey, but um, your final you know, topic this week is around uh, Norway's deployment of 5G and Telia and Ericsson. So why don't you provided some insights into that. Yeah, so Telia is one of the biggest carriers uh, in Norway, if not the biggest. Mm -hmm. um, they've um, partnered with Ericsson to roll out their 5G network. Um, they're kind of, um, you know, working entirely with Ericsson, which um, is next door in Sweden. Um, and they're, they're kind of one of the leading 5G infrastructure vendors. So it doesn't really seem like that much of a surprise Elliot tapped mm -hmm. Ericsson. Um, but they acquired some 700 megahertz spectrum that allows them to really get that coverage. Yeah. Um, so, so the expectation is that half of Norway is going to have 5G 
by the end of 2021, which is incredibly fast. Um, yes, yeah. And and I think you know realistically they're going to have you know um, DSS. Um, they're going to have SA. Um, mm-hmm. They didn't say that they're going to have SA right away. Yeah. Um, but I would expect that if you're rolling out a 5G network in what almost mid 2020, you're yeah. probably very close to being SA. Um, yeah. I think we're going to start seeing lots of SI, SA networks rolling out by the end of the year, um, and a ton of them coming through next year. So um, mm-hmm. a lot of people are buying their their 5G equipment, expecting, you know, already to you know be ready for SA. So, um, but yeah, it's really cool. I I would have expected Italia to be a little bit sooner, yeah. because Norway in general is a much more technically savvy country. Lots of people have fiber at home. Um, people, almost everybody drives electric cars. So um, it's a very tech-savvy country, and I was a little bit surprised to see Telia only launching now. Yeah, well, maybe it's been, they, they've been frozen, and they're, they're thawing now. <laughs> I, was, I, I spent some time um, there uh, last year, so it gets quite cold there. Well, Angel, hey, thanks a lot. Uh, this has been another great podcast. Why don't you take us home? Sure. Um, we hope our viewers and listeners this week um, found our topics interesting. Um, if anyone out there would like to uh, provide us any specific insights on 5G topics for future podcasts, uh, please feel free to reach out to us on social media. Uh, Will is at Will Town Tech um, on Twitter, and I am at Antra Sog. Um, so please feel free to reach out to us and uh, have a great weekend. And please tune in again next week.